Welcome to Bell Curve with Mary Scott, Rachel, and Liz, three friends, three Southern Bells, joining you, smart women, to discuss life, work, relationships, business, everything from the nerdy to the normal, the practical to the philosophical, the head to the heart. Thanks for joining us as we observe, analyze, and often deviate from the standard. Hello, Liz Bashirs here. Last week in episode 18, we had a wonderful conversation with Rachel Medifin, a mom of five and neuroscience student who discussed how many, how so many of the internal conversations we have and impulses we succumb to have a lasting real physical and emotional impact. I want to talk today uh, along those same lines of about rewriting the scripts that we play in our heads the things we tell ourselves over and over and over again, we say these things often without realizing it until they become indistinguishable from reality for us. I'll, I'll give you a few examples because this is, this is something that I've, I've tried to be really mindful of in my, in my life the last year or so. I'm just not an athletic person when we're trying to find motivation to move our bodies. I'm a bad mom when our kids make a mistake or are having trouble. I'm so clumsy. This is one I tell myself a lot. I'm so clumsy when I drop something. I'm just not very good at this when we're trying to learn when something we're trying to learn doesn't come to us right away. You know, and then there's all the, you know, the, the typical stuff that we sometimes particularly succumb to as women. When we look in the mirror, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm stupid. Why can't I wear anything? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, and then another one that can really just you know, dig its talons into you. I don't deserve this opportunity. I'm an imposter. We tell ourselves these things over and over again and they become our reality. We tell ourselves these things and, they say them enough that we believe them. And y'all, it's not, it's not, you're not making it up. It, what you think you become, uh, neuroscience is showing that over and over again. And, and we'll talk more about some of the studies I read and, um, some of the research that's out there showing how important it is that the, the inner voice, the inner dialogue that you have with yourself is positive and, and how that can really ch- manifest itself in your life in positive ways once you make that decision. So, my first question for y'all is what are some negative inner scripts that you've, you know, sometimes struggle with that you have let yourself embrace in weaker moments? All right. I'll go first on this one. And there are two varieties in Mary Scott's Hunter, Mary Scott Hunter's head that are rolling at any one time, I think. And there's the conflated script and there's the deflated script. And the conflated script is <laughs> I can do it all. Yes, sure. I'll take on that committee chairmanship because I can do it all. And of course I can't do it all. I can't even think about doing it all. I, you know, I'm life is busy, three kids, a job, our podcast, our, my writing. I, you know, it's, it's busy. It's good busy. I'm not, you know, saying that those aren't good things, but, but that inner script of I can do it all is really, you know, you, you should not tell yourself that it's not a, it's not healthy. The other conflated script is the, the fishing story script, the fishing story, meaning it's the fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, there've been some, I, I can't, it's so painful to even talk about this that I don't even want to use myself as an example, but there's been examples of politicians and, and, you know, people that have visited war zones, you know, um, journalists and, you know, just people in the public eye who have conflated a story. And all of a sudden the story went from maybe being a, a great story to begin with, but being a, you know, a story that has details that are sort of fuzzy that are outside the boundaries of what happened. And so 
Oh, man, you have to be so careful about that. And there's such a tendency, for whatever reason in my personality, there's such a tendency to want to, I don't know, maybe it's self-aggrandizing or making more out of what you're doing. I mean, there's a fine line because you do want to be confident and the things that we do are important and matter. But at the same time, be honest about what you're doing. And so that's one interscript. The deflating interscript, the the one that I think you, <laughs> you know, that litany of I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm whatever. That interscript for me, I would say is also two kinds. One is artificial suck. Mm-hmm. I've said that before. And that's when I'm so long suffering. I, you know, I'm just this, I, you know, I, okay, I can, I don't know, just all these tasks that we get put on us. And, you know, and then you start thinking of yourself as this long suffering, I don't know, martyr. And, and that's not a good inner script at all. That's not healthy. And, and the, the other one, the one that y'all is my demon, the one that I know that I am being like attacked from like the underworld is the one where I, the script starts running that says, I'm not smart enough. Mm. Uh, you are not smart enough to do this, Mary Scott. You are not, you do not have the mental ability to do this. And when that script starts running, I, I, I don't know, there's great things about getting older. And at 46, I will say, and you cannot get this except with the perspective of life. I have started to recognize it sooner and just hit the stop button. But when that script starts running, I'm not smart enough. I, I know that there's something going on in, in, in maybe realms I don't fully understand, you know, but, but that's a script that is extremely damaging to me. Uh, I can relate. I mean, I think even with what you were saying with the two tracks, I think for me, the one that has probably plagued me, you know, we all have these personalities, right? So I am very over analytical. I can just analyze and ruminate over the simplest interaction for days. It's it's ridiculous. So I've had to confront that and be aware of that. But, you know, and I'm just sharing really my heart here. It, it you know, it can be embarrassing. But I would say that I have definitely struggled um, and come a long way in the area of social anxiety. And you can be someone who seems very confident and gets along with others and has great friendships. And still just because of your temperament, your personality struggle with social anxiety. And so I think that negative inner script that I have had to really confront is one that goes like, maybe you have a little awkward interaction, or maybe, yeah, you wanted this conversation to just be rich and deep, and you're gonna be lifelong friends, and it just wasn't. And then you walk away, ruminate, analyze, and you you just be like, oh my gosh, I am so, like, awkward. Like, people don't like me. (laughs) Like, you know, like, (laughs) it's like that whole, like, we sing song, like, you know, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms. (laughs) But, you know, if you're not careful, you can just have, like, the most basic, like, everyone feels that way at some point. You're not going to have these, like, amazing moments with everybody that you run into. And and that's fine. And I think what I've grown in, particularly as I've gotten older, it's been really nice to get older, actually, is just to look around and be like, okay, nobody's really thinking about me. So why don't I think about the person I'm talking to? Why don't I enjoy this moment? Why don't I step into um, a conversation with someone that nor- maybe they are, they're also introverted, they're also kind of quiet, so there's going to be some awkwardness, but they're probably a really cool person to get to know. So step into that bit of awkward space, Rachel, and get over it. Get to know them. Stop analyzing. Don't, you know, so I've had to really confront that, um, that inner script. You know, I said in our Enneagram episode, I was really drawn to the sevens, the 
the fun, gregarious people, and I am, I, I love them, but actually some of the most fulfilling relationships I've ever had have been with people who are initially probably hard to get to know, maybe, you know, think like I do, even struggle in some of the ways that I do. I like the phrase deep calls to deep because I I love those people who I can laugh with and kind of ponder life with. But I think sometimes I miss out on those relationships because my inner script tells me it's just easier and smoother and less work to pursue or respond to the louder peeps who kind of keep the conversation going really easily. But I don't want to miss out on great friendships because of self-consciousness or shyness. So changing my script from fixating on myself and what I perceive to be limitations to actually getting super curious about other people and, you know, asking them them questions about their lives and maybe drawing them out and giving them that gift of a listening ear has opened up opportunities for connections that I find very life enriching. I think that's something that. So I used to be a really, really shy person. Not shy, like, and I do still struggle with this sometimes, but I used to be really self-conscious about how introverted I was. And like when I, so when I first started going to school, when I first started going to public school after being homeschooled, I felt like I was not, I was not built to interact with like people. Like everybody (laughs) just seemed to have it. So like I was in third grade for goodness sake, but I just like, everybody is just so outgoing and I'm just not. And like, I really, really, really struggled with that for a long time as a young teen, particularly. And one of the like inner scripts I rewrote as a, from a younger age was, you're, you know, everybody's awkward. <laughs> exactly. Some people way. value, people value the authenticity part, not the, not the, oh, she knows exactly what to say. And I told you, Liz, that we've been binging on the office lately. It like, uh-huh. came back to our minds and like, oh, thank goodness. You know, if you ever wondered if anybody else was awkward, just keep on watching the office. You'll feel yep. so much better about yourself. I've never seen someone with such little self-awareness. <laughs> I'm starting to think we should just kind of rename Bell Curve the Brene Brown fan club because I feel like we bring her up every episode, (laughs) but it's because she's awesome and so wise and has so many wonderful things to say. On this particular issue, she she says something that really, really resonates with me, and she says it in several of her books and several of her talks, but talk to yourself like you would talk to someone you love. Hmm. Talk to yourself like you would talk to someone you love. Why is that so freaking radical? Man, it is, though. So here's some examples um, mirroring some of the things that I said earlier. If I said, I'm just not an athletic person, say, I'm so much stronger than I was last week. I can run so much longer than I could last time. I, you know, I, can, um, I can do this thing. I'm so blessed to be able to do this. If I'm a bad mom, say, my kids are so loved. If I'm so clumsy when you drop something, just kind of brush it off and whoops, accidents happen. I'm just not very good at this. I'm so thankful to be learning something new. I'll get the hang of it. I wonder if I can find a YouTube video out there that'll help me. Or I don't deserve this opportunity. Or I'm fat, ugly, blah, blah, blah. I hate even speaking that stuff out in the world. God God made me so wonderfully and gave me so many wonderful gifts. So those are a few ways you can kind of flip the script. And and some things that I've tried to implement in my life uh, since I became more aware of how important and impactful that inner dialogue or monologue really, really is. Uh, Another good quote that I think really kind of can drive this home is Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said, you are what you think all day long. You know, this is a guy who said this long before we had the science to back it up. But, you know, 
it's something I truly believe. And I'm not going to sit here and say that if you're plagued with depression or anxiety that you can just think your way out of it. But I do believe, and science backs me up here, that the more you go down the path of dark and damaging thoughts, the more you'll believe and embrace those lies as reality. Well, and Liz, if I can just pop in and say, like, what's convicting to me about that, that quote is, okay, you are what you think all day long. Are you thinking about yourself all day long? Your failures, Mm. your mistakes, what else are you interested in? What else besides yourself and your failures and your, you know, can you focus on? That's what kind of leaps out to me from that is I don't want to spend my day thinking about myself. Yeah, I wish y'all could see the facial expression. Yeah. Uh, that's I, great. And I, I think I think you're absolutely right. Um, there's a, a great study I read by a, a doctor named Bernard Bars, and it, he's one of the leading researchers on consciousness science. And he said that human beings talk to themselves every moment of the waking day. Most readers of this sentence are doing it now. It becomes a little clearer with difficult to say words like infundibulum or methylparabin. In fact, we talk to ourselves during dreams, and there's even evidence for inner speech during deep sleep, the most unconscious state we normally encounter. Overt speech takes up perhaps a tenth of the waking day, but inner speech goes on all the time. Hmm. So, man, so I think what you're saying makes sense. But it's not like we can just kind of shut up our inner our inner dialogue that goes on all the time. So what are some ways that we can shape it into something positive instead of it being just a, a kind of navel-gazing way to <laughs> criticize ourselves all the time or to make ourselves the center of, of the universe? I am beautiful. <laughs> just kidding. I am. What, what is it from the hell? I am good. I am I, kind. I, I am smart. I am important. <laughs> So I, it's always fun and well, it's always gratifying when the research kind of backs up what you, what you think. And maybe it does a lot of times because intuitively you just kind of know some things are the, are the way they are. But I do think that what that, what that science is telling me is that you have to kind of mentally slap yourself sometimes just, and I know you talked about mental love, but this is a form of kind of tough love is what I'm talking about. And just mentally say, will you, Mary Scott, get a hold of yourself, get a flipping hold of yourself and get on the right, put one foot in front of the other and, you know, stop dinking around or stop, as Mary Poppins would say, stop slathering about, you know, just (laughs) (laughs) get a hold of yourself and put one foot in front of the other and get going. And I, I call that mentally slapping myself, but I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, I, I mean that in the best sense. It's a kind of a tough love kind of thing. And I think it's okay to say, all right, I'm struggling. Uh, maybe emotionally I'm at a 10 and I can't see such something objectively. I need somebody else to come in here and help me rewrite this script. I can't do it on my own. What friend or counselor do I have who can look at this and, and tell me what's actually happening? I love that. And that actually leads into the, one of the questions I have for y'all is, is what are some resources or quotes or people that you think about and look to when you're in that negative headspace, when you need somebody to help you snap out of it? I have a spiritual advisor that I, I meet with maybe once a month, maybe every, every other month on a teleconference. And I have to just, I have to really recommend that to folks that that's been really, really good because I trust her perspective. I also have the two of you, but I'll go to her for a minute because I think as we all have temperaments and personalities, we also have 
um, tendencies towards certain sins in our lives, you know, maybe self-blame, maybe blaming others. And if it's if you have someone you trust who can point out even the spiritual element of what you're going through and where you might need to confess some sin, maybe you need to spiritually grow. Maybe you didn't do anything wrong at all. Someone else did. And you have to let go of that and forgive them. That's been pretty um, revolutionary to me. You know, I, I really think that there's a couple of underestimated things that you can do that don't get talked about enough. And and one is I call it game over. And that's like 645 in the evening. I can't figure it out. I'm totally overwrought. Lights out, go to bed. And I'm not if you're oversleeping, that's a sign of depression. But some days you just need to it's game over day. Get get to bed by 730. Get a nine hours of sleep. You will wake up feeling great. You can deal with it the next morning. I just think that's an extremely healthy response. And I'm not advocating that you do that every night. You know, that would be, but sometimes it's just game over. Time to go to bed. And, you know, I can tell when my family's in that mode. And sometimes I just call it game overnight. And that means all the activities are canceled. No gymnastics, no baseball, no music lessons. We're canceling everything. Everybody's going to bed at 730 <laughs> or 8 <laughs> or 830. I mean, like it is lights out in the Hunter's house. That's what those blackout so. curtains are for. <laughs> Yeah. And I and I guess that's a kind of a form of snapping out of it because the next morning everybody's had a good night's sleep. You can deal with it. The other thing that I think is kind of underrated is I mean, this is a you know, we are we get on our show and talk. So I this kind of negating what I'm saying right now. But I don't think everything is resolved by talking about it. Now, a lot of things are resolved and you do have to talk about a lot of things. But sometimes sometimes just not talking about it is sometimes you add fuel by talking about some things and I, I've known people who talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and they never solve problems and I do think that sometimes you have to if you're going to talk it, it you need to really think about how is this discussion how is this talking going to solve my problem or solve their problem if you're trying to help your child or your loved one or friend solve a problem. So th- those are two, I guess you asked about quotes, but you know, and, and people, but those are, I guess, two activities. As far as quotes, great fiction teaches us so much. And so, you know, I have a book list, Fanny Flag and, you know, Fried Green Tomatoes, Midnight in the Garden, um, you know, A Time to Kill, John Grisham, you know, you know, Winston Grimm's book, Forrest Gump. I mean, those are, they take your mind to a different place, but you're also dealing with protagonists who are in a, some kind of a dynamic where they have to make decisions. And that can be really inspiring and teachable. And so while it may not be a, a book about how to deal with a thing, it's sort of looking at an example of how, a, a per, you know, every great piece of literature, the protagonist is in some kind of conflict. And, and looking at how characters in literature or history have dealt with their situation, I think can be really instructive for you. So if you're like me and you're one of those people that really struggles through a, you know, a book about the mind or process or, I mean, even Brene Brown, I read it, but I, I, I confess I struggled through it just because it's, it's not my favorite thing to read. But you can also get a lot by reading fiction. So I just, that's me. You know what the downside is to reading those kind of books is you have to, unless you have a Kindle, you really have to hide the covers a lot. <laughs> 
had to fold <laughs> it back. True. Like I, I realized the other day that oh, I was reading, yeah. I was reading a book called Hack Your Anxiety, and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to come. I, I, I'm okay. Like I'm okay, people. <laughs> but the book, the book, and here's another one that I'm kind of like gonna have to fold back the cover on. I just got it from my, from a mom. Um, it's called Unhitching from the Crazy Train. <laughs> by, I love that. by Julie Sparkman. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm kind of comforting myself that maybe I'm unhitching from someone else's crazy train. But I'm like, actually, it's, you know, I got to unhitch from my own. But one of the things she said, and I thought this was good, that, you know, you're not going to be able to control your initial emotional reaction. So maybe you get a punch to the gut and it sends you to a seven. But she said the difference between the seven and going to the 10 is under your mental control and you must control that. And I, I thought, oh, that's good because it's not saying you're not going to have emotion. You are. You're going to get angry. You're going to get surprised. You're going to get sad. You're going you're gonna to have grief. But taking yourself um, under control at that point and not acting out of a place of being at the 10, I think is important. Absolutely. And, and there, so there is an article that I... Um, that I found and read that we'll link in the show notes by Dr. Jill Weber. Dr. Weber is a psychologist and she wrote this on, on psychology today. And she gave some ways that you can use some of that internal dialogue to talk yourself into higher self-esteem. So one of the things that Dr. Weber talks about is calling yourself out for cognitive distortions and cognitive distortions arise when our thoughts literally misrepresent the facts of what actually occurred. Oh, that's the mental slap. Yeah. That's, <laughs> thank you, Doc. What is his name, Dr. Weber? Her uh, name is Dr. Jill Weber. Ooh, I'm I'm oh, you got her on a stereotype. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like what I was saying the mental slap, the cognitive distortion. Yeah, call yourself out. Because mm-hmm. what she says is that it's the distortion more so than the situation is what brings on the increased pain and upset. So if you can just nip that distortion in the bud, but that takes practice. That's that really takes practice. Hard. And another thing um, that she talks about is developing a kind internal tone that as you accept a new improved way of talking uh, and connecting with yourself, it's essential that you observe the tone you use in your internal dialogue. So adopt it similar to what Brene Brown says, adopt the type of tone that a loved one would use if they are reassuring you. You know what that makes me think of, though, is that almost in conversation and with our family members, you know, we are co-creating a reality. I, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of that idea of emotional contagion. It's, it's something that's been studied mm-hmm. in social science. But, you know, you are creating an emotional environment in your own mind, and then it ends up being communicated and co-created with others as it leaves your mouth and you and you speak it. So that internal tone might feel like you're just saying something to yourself, but it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is going to come yeah. out. We are what we think about. And that's, as you've said, as Rachel, you've talked about that numerous times. Liz, you've talked about that in your research today. We are, we absolutely are what we think about. Margaret Thatcher said it in the movie. So I don't know if she actually said it in real life, but she said it in the movie <laughs> so, about her. Um, we, we absolutely are what we think about. And if, if we are what we think about, and if we're connected to our homes and our families and the people we love, then we're going to rub off on them. And, and another thing I want to talk about is how that reaction it's, it's a muscle. It's a, it's a, it is a, the way you react to things, you can change how you react to things over time by developing the practice of, of responding in a certain way. Renowned psychologist, Albert Bandura 
characterize a person's belief in their ability to succeed in a task or situation as self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is closely linked to how uh, perseverant you are. If you don't believe you can actually manage a task or or a relationship or improve yourself, then what's the point in trying? So it's also related to, I think, even if you have that first initial reaction, going back and saying, oh, wait, 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 maybe that's not reality, and then going a different direction with your thoughts but you have to you have to make the decision to to make that change to begin with. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Well, I think like if you think of it in terms of something that you want to improve in your life, but you tend to ruminate and say you were a failure in it. If you want the thing bad enough, you're going to practice at it and you have to recognize it's going to take a little time and then congratulate yourself on some incremental growth. I mean, for example, if my thing is a little bit of social anxiety, well, then when I put myself out there and maybe go to the event where I don't feel like I know anybody or try to connect in a a new community where I'm worried, "Uh, am I going to fit in here? You know, I don't need to accuse myself <laughs> as I get into that and have varying degrees of success with that. I need to say, wow, not only did I did I try something new, I tried to make some new friends or I stepped into that. Look at this successful interaction or look at how that made me feel to be connected rather than holding back. And, and I think that's part of what that's saying is it's not going to be immediate, but self-efficacy is trying and then rethinking, rewiring uh, that situation and not letting it be outsized in a, in a negative way that's not actually reality. That makes so much sense because we do just blow this stuff up. Uh, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous when that starts in my head that I'm not smart enough. That is a script that runs probably, you know, Liz, I mean, you, you asked, you know, does anyone ever feel like an imposter like every day, you know, (laughs) 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 but that's a, you know, and whatever that script is for me, it's I'm not smart enough for, you know, for rage. I'm not good in social situation, whatever. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's not in, there may be some things that I don't know how to do. I don't know how to do brain surgery. I don't know how to, you know, there's things I don't know how to do, but that's a lot different than saying I'm not smart enough. Yeah. And, and this is a whole nother topic, Mary Scott, but I just got done reading a book by Cal Newport called Deep Work. And one of the things he talks about a lot is how maybe sometimes when you're feeling like you're not grasping a subject is because you're allow you're not putting your whole brain to it because you're allowing yourself to be distracted by so many different things. Mm-hmm. And he, the things that he focuses most on are you know, social media and just your phone in general and, and not setting aside undistracted time to um, accomplish what he calls deep work. And that has been a game changer for me of just realizing, okay, maybe I'm not getting this. It's not because I'm not smart enough, but it's because I am not giving my brain the space to tackle this subject. Um, I mean, and here's the thing. Okay, so you know that saying attributed to Mark Twain that a life can travel halfway around the world before the truth gets its boots on? <laughs> <laughs> Well, according to a study by Rodney J. Corva of the College of Worcester, our internal dialogue goes so much faster than we could ever talk out loud. Uh, how much faster, you might ask? 4,000 words a minute. That's how quickly, on average, people talk to themselves. So if a, a lie can make it halfway around the world before a truth can get its boots on, how many lies can you tell yourself if you're spewing them that quickly? And how much can that really impact your well-being? Mm, that's a scary thought. Because if you think about how damaging those lies are, and how fast we can tell them to ourselves, 
whoa, whoa. I think sometimes coming back to fundamental truths that are actually outside of ourselves, outside of, outside of our minds, that we are created, we are loved, we are children of God, we're created in His image. I mean, some of those things, I think I have to actually remind myself to go back to Sunday school days and tell myself stuff that I've heard my whole life, but it is actually comforting. And, you know, to think of who you are in Christ or uh, what your actual identity is. A thing I'm trying to be more mindful about is how the things I say about myself out loud, not just my internal dialogues, but the things I say about myself and about uh, the world out loud, how that might affect the people around me as well and how they develop their internal scripts too. I, you know, I think about when I interact with my nieces, I try to be mindful about not only talking about shallow external looks and that kind of thing, but about praising them for being kind or for being clever or that kind of thing. And, and how much that can, those, Rachel, like you were saying, those early things that are imprinted upon you by the people you're around or by you know, the, the groups you're a part of, the spiritual or otherwise that you're a part of, how that could be so formative from such a young age in, in how you tackle those feelings as well. And we said this a little bit in our in our last show, Rachie talked about it, that there's a lot of things that, well, everything that goes on outside of yourself, ultimately you can't control. But you, you can, to some, some extent, a great extent, you know, and often completely, can regulate yourself. And that is where it starts. And once you start regulating yourself, it is the form of regulating your family, regulating the piece of the world that you have um, that's within your span of control. I, I think it's a, a really important thought that changing your inner script has the very definite ability to change the inner scripts of those around you that, that you love and care about. I want to close with one more Brene Brown quote that I think really speaks to why it's important to tackle this kind of thing. She says, owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy, the experiences that make us the most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. Y'all, thank you so much for all of the encouraging feedback that we've been given uh, over the last several months with Bell Curve. I, I do want to take a second to say thank you to everybody who has given us that feedback. I, I want to share a, a review that was left on iTunes uh, by one of our listeners, EFG12345. Not sure who you are, but thank you for this. Um, I'm absolutely loving your podcast, they said. I found myself nodding my head along with you in agreement many times. I'm hooked and I can't wait for the next one. We cannot express to y'all how wonderful it is to hear that feedback and how, how much it makes putting this podcast together every week so rewarding. Those kind of reviews not only help lift us up and, and make us you know feel gratified, they're, uh, they're also really important to helping us get this in front of other people. So if this is a podcast that has spoken to you on some level or that you enjoy, would you please consider taking a moment to go on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a review to, to let us know how it impacted you. Let us know what you would love us to, to talk about. Um, another way that you can interact with us is on social media at Bell Curve Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we also have a 
Facebook group, Bell Curve Insiders, where we kind of dive a little bit deeper into some of the things that we've been talking about and are really trying to build a community over there as well. So thank you so much for listening this week. Uh, We'd love to hear your feedback.